0: This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Elias Theodoru gets released from the UFC. Edmonton gets a co-main event for UFC 240. Yoel Romero wins his lawsuit against the Supplement Company. Uriah Faber comes out of retirement. Bellator signs Robin van Roosmalen. Alexander Gustafson defends his home court against Anthony Smith. And we're joined today by Abe Kawa, Yoel Romero's manager, to discuss Romero winning a $27.45 million lawsuit. It's like he won the lottery. And by Calvin Cater, who faces Ricardo Lamas in Chicago next week at UFC 238. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Or to the podcast, please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. We appreciate any listener feedback you might have for us. So if you have anything you want to tell us about the show or combat sports in general, at Aaron Bronstetter and at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter is where we can be reached.
1: Joe, Boom. It's been a while, man. No, I know. It's been it a seems long, so
0: long. The, the last card we talked about that we did predictions for was the uh, Jack Hermanson. It was like my oh, UFC for Lauderdale. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. It's good,
1: though, man. It's just we're, we're showing our our dominance here in the in the mixed martial arts world. You're here dominating the MMA journalism scene, and I'm, you know, Dominating that kickboxing world, exactly. so we're taking over the the combat sports world. Yeah, you were out in the Netherlands, Utrecht,
0: yeah. Utrecht is that what it's called? Uh,
1: yeah, we stay in Amsterdam, but it's called um, different ways, Utrecht, Utrecht, however you want to yeah. say it with that I think Dutch I, hard accent. I think know? on a
0: recent podcast I said, Joe's going to Utrecht, Germany, because that's what it sounds like, it a sounds, German name. It, oh, yeah, it
1: sounds yeah. German. But uh, it's a nice little city, man. I love um, outside of Amsterdam. It's beautiful. you got these nice canals, nice... Uh, it's the lifestyle you kind of fall in love with. You get to sit outside. You have your drinks, your wine, and you get to just socialize. Good food. I got hooked on uh, uh, bitterballen. Have you ever had bitterballen? I don't know what that is. It's like it a sounds uh, like it sounds like Ro- Roben van Roosmalen. Yeah, it is basically. <laughs> but it's um, it's like a Dutch thing that you have when you drink. Um, it's basically the easiest way you can do it. It's it's, it's fried circular. And basically, on the inside, so it's crusty outside, and the inside it's like almost a mashed potato gravy inside. So when you're drinking at night and socializing, you eat bitterballen.
0: Oh, so it's not like in the drink?
1: No, no. Okay. no. Like but you're, what you I have, like, while I don't you're want drinking. gravy in my. Drink. It helps you drink more, I guess. And mm-hmm. then that's a it's a Dutch thing. Yeah. I love bitterballen. You're glistening today. You just come out of the gym? Yes, I did. Yeah, it happens every, every time. And even um, I, I can't work out before I usually do like um, my on-air stuff with Glory. Because I sweat, man. I'm a sweater. Yeah. Well, we're not on camera, thankfully. No, I know. But uh, even watch me in glory. You watch all my in-ring interviews. I sweat, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm drinking coffee. I I barely sweat. I'm sweating and I'm drinking coffee too. So I'm Mm. sure that helps.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, (laughs) coffee's supposed to cool you down. Really? Like hot drinks not helping me. Like if you drink a hot drink in the summer, it's supposed to apparently it's supposed to cool you down. Um. So how you enjoyed the the experience? Great main event.
1: We, We go um we go to Holland about two three times a year, but we just. Saw dominance in our Brazilian champion, mm-hmm. Alex Pereira, man. Woo! He fought um, a Jason Willness. Um, just a tough Dutch fighter. You have your traditional Dutch style. Those are the two pressure. guys that have beaten Israel
0: Adesanya, right? Yep. i sort of cut yep. you off. Yeah, yep. okay. both
1: of them has be- have beaten uh, Israel Adesanya. Um, so just to see Pereira so dominant to finish Willness the way he did, it started with a head kick, kind of dropped him in the first. Uh, first knockdown was a head kick. Right off of that head kick, he came with that flying switch, and he knocked him out. Man, it was just beautiful to see, just because we need that hype, we need that attention, we need uh, Pereira to maybe challenge our light heavyweight champ. Um, Just good excitement with kickboxing. And when you're calling six hours of kickboxing and the main event ends in like a minute and a half, you probably love it. Oh, I love it. Love it. (laughs) Get to go, get to eat something, usually washroom break right after. Uh, No, but I love it. But uh, it's just good. Kickboxing's growing. Um, I think it made sports centers number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is uh, beautiful for us to see.
0: Yeah, I've been watching uh, every event again. I'm back that's on the it. glory train. Beautiful. So I can I can talk about this stuff with you again.
1: Yeah, I love it. Which is nice. Yeah, you welcome into my world. I'm here in your world all the time. Yeah. Now you get a little exactly. bit of my Maybe world. Maybe
0: we'll have to do a, a, a secondary kickboxing podcast. And that's
1: it. And especially if glory comes to Toronto, man, it's going to just uh, hopefully grow and we can get more athletes and, my hope is that we can get a lot of cross. Of, I mean, a, a big focus for um, kickboxing is maybe getting some UFC fighters who, you know, just finished their contracts or, you know, uh, we brought in uh, Chris Camosi. Fights like that. We brought in, uh, is it Tiago Silva? Not Tiago Silva. Yeah, Tiago Silva. Tiago Silva. Once, yes, yeah, yeah. we brought in Tiago Silva mm-hmm. once, Chris Camosi. So getting those crossovers brings some of the MMA fans to watch yeah. us. Would Jacoby's be great. been in glory for Jacoby's a long time. Jacoby's yeah. been back and forth, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, those are exciting fights. We had. Um, Bigfoot, we had Bigfoot Silva as well. Mm -hmm. He fought Rico Verhoeven. Uh, that that wasn't a very good matchup for him. Not really. But it uh, was <laughs> still cool to see it and to be able to, uh, to call a Bigfoot fight. So I'm happy about that. Well, speaking of
0: uh, Toronto and speaking of released or out of contract, Elias yep. DeNord, was shockingly released from the UFC. Now, yeah,
1: I was surprised.
0: Uh, a lot of people seem to not be. They said, you know, this guy doesn't put on entertaining fights, and that's what the UFC is in the business of. So that's where I get a little bit confused. Okay. Because, like, the UFC wants to be a mainstream sport. Right, they want to consider themselves a sport. I always say it's a promotion and not a sport. Yeah, and this is where that comes into play because with an eight and three record, if you were in pro sports and was a pro, you were a, pro, a professional sports team, you have like a seven forty win percentage, yeah. which basically makes you the best or second best team in the league in in any sort of league. So let's say that you're the San Antonio Spurs from years ago. This is the analogy I thought of. Okay, Coach Popovich, the best coach in the league they're getting to like the finals every year they're getting to, they're they're always among the best teams in the league but they're kind of boring they're very fundamental they 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 win games in an unexciting fashion does that mean that the nba calls them and says listen you're not in the playoffs this year you're out yeah, i totally get it so that would never happen in a, in a real professional sport yeah so why does it happen here when a guy wins 74 or whatever percentage percent of his fights suddenly you're releasing him because, you know, he was booed in Ottawa in his own backyard in the co event, which is not a good look. Of course, I, I would admit that. But Elias has been able to win fights in the the same fashion that he fought Brunson, by confusing his opponents, by throwing all kinds of yeah. awkward stuff at them. By... And it was
1: a close fight, too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so mm.
0: if, if that's his style and it's worked for him and he gets wins, why are the UFC not valuing a guy who goes in there and gets wins and is a Canadian where you need good Canadians in the market. where We just don't have that many consistent winners in the Canadian market. He was definitely the most consistent winner of active Canadian fighters in the UFC right now. And now you get rid of him because perhaps his style isn't as exciting as... Someone else's.
1: Yeah, but regardless of his style, I think what he does great is what he does outside of the you know 100%. outside of the, the cage. So seeing him kind of marketing himself as, as the the ring boy, he's going out promoting himself um, well on social media. He's branding himself with you know the cannabis and the legalization. Like he's really doing well for Canadian MMA and promoting the sport and building the social media. You go on his Twitter during every UFC, he's there. He's vocal. He's talking yeah, about he's it. He's Taking
0: over the UFC Canada absolutely, as well. which
1: is what we kind of need. We need some more. Canadian MMA and UFC fighters, so I, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with it. I mean, could his style be a little bit more entertaining? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's can. absolutely. Except Everyone could like be Israel a little bit better. And, but, you know, you know, maybe Elias training with me a little bit, working on his kicks, <laughs> could have helped him a little bit. But uh, uh, no, I just I think it's sad because I think what he does is great. Um, I think that what he does outside um, really stands out, and I think it's a, he's a good example for the future guys to kind of hey, we got to promote ourselves outside of the ring. But, um... I think the same situation um, kind of happened with another Canadian. I think Josh Hill was in a, a similar situation like that with, with, with UFC and why he, UFC never signed him. I yeah, think he, he was on a contender him. series, but he mm-hmm. was a wrestling-based fighter, yeah. and I don't think they enjoyed that um, he dominated his fights through the wrestling. Yeah, I think he was on
0: Tough, actually, yeah,
1: yeah, back in the day. And he was just on TKO and put on a great
0: performance. Yeah,
1: I mean, he was at that time when he was uh, with, on the Tough show, he was, he was really dominant yeah. at that point. And I believe at that time his only two losses were Marlon Moraes. Yeah, and he went to it, World was hell of a two
0: fight. Good,
1: two good fights. Yeah. So you know. Um, so I mean, He's
0: one of the best guys to never make the UFC, in my opinion, Like in terms of guys that were mostly fighting on the regional scene that yeah, never yeah. went to Bellator. I know
1: a lot of old-school guys that I would have liked to see, like Richard Monkey Nanku, mm-hmm. like, uh, the father of my niece and nephew. I think he would have been a good addition to uh, the lighter weights, but they had no lighter weights at that right. point. They had no There was no the 125. There was yeah. no 135. So a lot of the, the top Canadians, in my eyes, never made it to the UFC because of that. Even when I got to work with guys like Antonio Carvalho, he... Um, had to go on later because I mean yeah, the division just opened up, but mm-hmm. he was so dominant in Japan He was he was dominated. He was ranked ahead of uh, Uriah Faber at one point in the world rankings And
0: he's another guy that kind of got cut on like a, a, yeah. a bit of a run. It deal. was a,
1: a Darren Elkins yeah, He got a flash decision. knockout. Oh no, it was a flash knockout. Flash knockdown got backed up popped up I was actually oh, cornering right. him that and fight. And then they waved it off. Yeah so It was a controversial. Was being, um, I was in his corner for that one and even Dana White in the back him Yeah, we'll sign you again. We'll sign you again so, I mean, I wish Antonio got in a little bit earlier so we could have shown a little bit more. But, man, they're tough on us Canadians.
0: Yeah, and a similar thing happened to Justin Willis last week. Justin Willis, um, according to, uh, I guess, my own report. Uh, That's it. He, uh, he, Drop it. Yeah, Drop the news. Well, I'm not, I, I reported this, <laughs> okay. so, I mean, it's not really breaking news. But I was told that uh, he was offered a fight with Walt Harris uh, in two months. and said that And he said that he wasn't going to be able to make the weight at heavyweight yeah. <laughs> in two months. So... You know, that's kind of a red flag if you're booking heavyweights and they can't make 265 yeah. with two months' notice. So they cut him as a result, and he was coming off a loss to Curtis Blades, but before that he was undefeated in the UFC. Yeah. I think it was 4-1,
1: and one, and They're the one loss really the Curtis Blades. That. I think uh, another example that comes to my mind is Yair yeah, Rodriguez, right? Yeah. I mean, just because he didn't want to take that fight at that time, boom, you're gone. Yeah, coming Get off the, of the worst then. loss of his career. Yeah, I mean— it's scary. You don't want to fight. It was um, Zabit, Megamed Sheripov. Like you, you don't want to fight that guy coming off a loss. And so I think a big um, what's missing in the fight world a lot of time is proper development of fights. I think a lot of times they force guys into the bigger fights too soon. Um, I think you need that development. I think it's good that managers and fighters say, "Hey, listen, like I want to be held back a bit because as a fighter, you want that title tomorrow. Like yesterday, I should have had that title shot." But if you build guys properly and you help them in the right steps, I think you can build more stars that way.
0: So it makes me wonder what's next for Elias, because I think that he'll have a lot of options. I think one championship, Bellator, you know, there's a lot out there for a guy like Elias, who's good at marketing himself, who's good on social media. Um, Again, it's a bit of a give and take. And that's why it confuses me a little bit. Like, even though his style isn't super Conducive to an entertaining fight, as you mentioned, his charisma outside of the cage, his ability to market himself, his yep. ability to get his name Good out there, talker, yeah, talk that really kind well. of stuff is
1: valuable. Absolutely,
0: I mean, he was also pressing USADA on trying to get a TUE for in competition cannabis, and I don't know if that rubbed that's PLC what I was kind of thinking.
1: Way. Is was he over promoting the cannabis aspect? But, but they just signed with the cannabis, cannabis company, company. Can so cannabis, I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm like, ah, at that point, it can't be it. You know, because eventually, unless
0: he was working with a competing brand or something, because yeah, that's another thing that might because have I
1: was I was listening to randomly, I popped up. I was listening to Mike Tyson's podcast, yeah. Hotbox. Mm-hmm. and he had um, Ali Abdelaziz, Abdelaziz, Abdelaziz yeah. and he was talking. He's like, he said in his his um, in his interview there with them, he says he manages 120 fighters, yeah. and he goes, at least 80 percent of them um, smoke cannabis regularly every day. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm not going to mention any names, but he goes, there's a champion. That could fight five rounds. That smokes multiple times a day. He goes. Mm-hmm. I won't mention names. So I'm guessing. Uh, you know, my guess would be like a Kamaru Usman, maybe. Yeah. And he I think says, he he's think got he the best. Was, I think he said that it was Usman. Didn't he name no, him? He, no, well, he refused to name okay. him. But okay. he was saying is like he's got the best conditioning I've ever seen. So I mean, I don't think that is, um, you know, a big situation because we had it before with uh, the two fighters. You can tell the names, but uh, who wanted the who really fought for the union, the fighters' union, mm-hmm. and they ended up getting booted because of that, right? Yeah. They were very vocal about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And John Fitch also, when he re- he refused to sign over for his likeness rights for the video game, yeah. he was he was fired and eventually brought Crazy. back. They, had, they had fi- figured it out and mended fences. And he's another one of these guys that was a super high winning percentage in the UFC, but his style wasn't yeah. entertaining, so they cut him eventually.
1: I think, like you said, it's not really a full sport yet. Well, I
0: don't think it'll ever be I, because I don't think They're that, just that too it's, dominant, it's just not right? governed like a sport. It's not run like a sport. And but that's the thing. Like if you're the UFC and you say we want to be a mainstream sport. You kind of paint yourself as a sport, which I don't think the UFC is. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I've said this time and time again. I don't think it's a bad thing if the UFC says we're not a sport, we're a promotional company, we're an entertainment company. And the reason why we cut Elias Deodoro is because he's not entertaining. And first and foremost, our most important priority is to entertain our fans. That's what gets them to come back to watching our sport and gets people that are new to watching the sport to continue watching the sport. I get that. But then... You can't really call it a sport. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Has the UFC come out to say
1: reasoning why?
0: No, I asked and I got a no comment as to why he was let go. But wouldn't they?
1: Shouldn't it be public? What, well, what you know? I, I'm
0: going to be speaking to somebody next week that might be able to give me an answer. He's the uh, UFC's president. His name's Dana White. So I'll talk to him in yeah, Chicago yeah, 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 regarding yeah. this issue, and maybe he'll have an answer for me. Yeah, but it won't so. surprise me if he says, listen, do you, he, I, it, let me predict this, and we'll we'll see if it ends up ringing through. Okay. Um, because I doubt he's listening to this podcast. He's got better things to do, and he says he doesn't read or listen to any media. But I think the first thing he'll say to me when I say, why did you cut Elias Theodoru? He'll say to me, did you find this fight entertaining? Yeah. Let's see if that's what he says. Yeah. Let's see how well I know Dana White. I feel like I know Dana White. Yeah, it'll be as nice confident... And the way he operates.
1: Really straight to the point. Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it would be nice for them to give a reason. I mean, at least for Elias' sake, they should have given him something, so maybe it's something for him to work on.
0: Here's what happens sometimes, though, in terms of getting comments on these things from the UFC. The people that that work in... um, You know, that... Work in PR. It's hard for them to give an official statement, and then they have to go and work their way up the ladder. And Dana White might not even know why he got released. Maybe it was something with negotiations yeah, for a fighter. Like we don't. Like it's very hard for them to weave through the sp- the web that is their company to yeah. get like an official answer as to why someone get, got released. And they don't, and I, you know, they don't need to give me a reason why someone got released. They just they got released.
1: So the timing of it was Elias negotiating a new contract. Was um, he no, he was under contract, so he still he, had fights I heard left, Elias and then on they terminated. I heard
0: him. Elias on a podcast that got posted after he got released. That was taped before he got released, talking about how he was going to be fighting in Edmonton.
1: Yeah. Even he posted. I mean, a couple days before of potential matchups, he yeah. was calling guys yeah, out. Exactly. So it was must he, have been a it big must have shock been sudden, for him. Yeah, yeah,
0: because I guess his team must have been trying to get him on that Edmonton card, and I don't know if something happened in that regard. But like, I also think that the UFC would never be able to come back to me and say we cut him because he's not entertaining because then you're opening yourself up to certain potential lawsuits or anything along those lines, because that's, not really what they're under contract to do. They're not. They're not under contract to be. There's not a clause that says if you continue to be entertaining, we're going to continue to.
1: Yeah, but in any fight contract an that thing. you do, there's always you know those small prints that they can get rid of you anytime oh, they, they can get want. rid of you, you know, off a for loss. no reason. Yeah, they can get rid of any UFC fighter off for the loss. no reason. They don't even have to give a reason. Yeah. it probably states that. But that's why the... I don't
0: think they need. They're going to give me a
1: reason. You know yeah. what I mean? That's
0: why I, when I I'm not surprised if I say what's the reason why you let him.
1: But go? I mean from uh, from a guy that's that's thrown off that way, I think it's it's nice to give a response because I mean I'm sure. In his mind, it's hey, maybe I need a one, two more well, fights, and then an I can answer. get back yeah. into that. He right? might have
0: an answer as to why he got let go, but they're yeah. not going to give me one. <laughs> that's all but that's hey, him. it's kind of you know what won't respond to my message. But it's
1: also fair for Elias to control what message he wants out, 100%. right? So and I think that's I, I why. Kind of agree. Let yeah. him let him tell the story of why, mm-hmm. and that's cool. Maybe you know. Maybe they told him that he wasn't entertaining, but it's not great for his brand, so it might not be the right answer for him to come out with. Maybe they're just, hey, you know, the 185 roster, he just should have a strategic move here. And I think the fact that he's moving the pieces is kind of a good good, good plan for him. I'm
0: pulling up my phone just because he did, he did write something recently as to why he, uh, he got um, what he said about getting let let go. Let me see what it was here. He's, he's tweeting again. He's back. He's active once again yeah. on Twitter. What did he say here? It was, uh, it was interesting. It was a very interesting thing that he wrote. It was very introspective. But uh, I don't know where, where it is. But either way, I think that uh, he certainly has. Um, he's too active on Twitter again. It was so easy to find his responses as to uh, what <laughs> happened. I agree, but thought after five years in the UFC and signing a brand-new 4 contract, I'd at least get one opportunity to redeem myself. And then he wrote, More evidence it's not a sport. So I think yep. he's kind of on a similar page as to what I am, and I again I, I don't I don't know if it's a bad thing that if you, if you come out and say listen we're not really a sport, I don't think anybody would would come out and say that. And MMA is a sport, yep. But the UFC is not a sports league, so to speak. Yeah. It's more of an entertainment product, and I get that, and I think that that's fine.
1: And we always talk about that with matchups, right? I know the the current. Um, situation about matchups and rankings and getting title fights is Max Holloway get, um, with uh, Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar getting the shot over Volkanovski, uh, yeah. right? And I interviewed the two of them this week. Uh, that'll be up soon, yeah. where I posed I'd be curious to, to hear yeah. that one, too.
0: Um, so here's what Elias said that I wanted to pull up. For some time, I prided myself uh, at being an unorthodox fighter able to outsmart his opponent in a form of competition. I can see now, to many, the entertainment of violence outweighs mm-hmm. victories. Looking to take the time and grow not only as a martial artist but a prize fighter, so that's yeah kind of a an introspective look at what he's thinking following his release. But um, yeah. So speaking with Max and uh, and Frankie, listen, I mean, here's the truth of the matter as to why Bolkanovsky got passed over. They're coming to Edmonton. They need a main event. If you go division by division, there's not a whole lot out there. Yeah. Um, Holloway wanted to get back in there as soon as he could. He apparently he he called Dana White. Spoke to Dana White like the day after his loss and said, you know, book me. Let's go. Um, And Volkanovski, if, you you know, I think it's fair to say he's next in line uh, above Edgar. However, you need a main event in July. You're going to Australia reportedly in October. It's a no-brainer to set it up from a timeline standpoint that would match up with whoever wins that fight uh, in Edmonton to... Have them go to Australia and fight Volkanovski. And in he said event. that's
1: when? September? October. October.
0: So you've got July to beginning of October. So let's say August, September, October. You've got three plus months.
1: But remember, a champion usually won't defend that frequently, so that but could
0: be. I think the UFC is kind of, you know, if they know that if Max wins, Max that doesn't is. turn down fights. Yeah, yeah. Like Max, Max has been as reliable as it comes
1: because i've um, i heard uh, city kickboxing eugene yeah. he came out who was really upset about yeah. it mm-hmm.
0: and and volkanovski was too yeah. and i think both but of them have that's the right the plan, to me. because what let's say what happened let's say edgar you know leg kicks holloway and holloway still ends up winning by decision or whatever but holloway's like dislocated or he tears his acl like that title shot is lost in the ether
1: yeah and who was it someone on the Hawani show said there is always one fighter in each event that has a broken orbital the, yeah. I mean, that's, oh, that's Ayakinta that said. Ayakinta that yeah. said so. I mean, like, hey, I mean, like, it's something. It's such so so many risks. That's why I'm saying if they're banking on the winner or Hollow, uh, Holloway getting out safe, that's a risky move. Yeah. So I guess those guys understand that, and that's why they're pissed.
0: But here's the thing to consider as well. You mentioned Ali Abbasdelaziz earlier in the show, and you mentioned that he has 120 clients in the UFC. That gives him a large degree of power. And when I say power, I, you know, a lot of people say that he colludes with the UFC. Blah blah blah. I don't have any evidence yeah. of that. However, what I do have evidence of, and what I'm sure he would admit, and the UFC—I don't know if they would admit this—but because he holds so many cards, like let's say you're playing Go Fish, and you uh, you have two cards, and you're, the person you're against has whatever, like thirty cards, they're gonna beat you. Yeah. If UFC 222, for example, last year, when Holloway got injured, and Frankie was left without an opponent. They call Frankie and they say, "Listen, this card is like in, je- in serious jeopardy right now. Like we don't have a co-main event right now. You're in the main event with Holloway. Holloway's going to be ready in like three months. We want you to fight Ortega, and if you win that, of course you'll get your title fight. But of course, there's always a risk that you lose. However, you'd be doing us a real solid because and we will we will remember this we'll remember this. Yeah, if you do that. Not to mention that the main event for that card ends up being Cyborg versus Yana Kunitskaya, who is. Its Kunitskaya was the bantamweight champion and in vict at the time, mm-hmm. also managed by Ali Abdelaziz. Okay, so Ali Abdelaziz single handedly saves a pay per view because he can. I don't know if he convinces Edgar, but Edgar takes the fight. So that's one of his guys. He he gets Kunitskaya to face Cyborg. Kunitskaya was booked against uh, Leia Letson at the time. He, he gets her pulled from a bantamweight fight to go up to featherweight and face Cyborg. Mm. I think actually that might, one might have been booked to featherweight, but I don't I don't remember. But um, so he has now. He now has built up goodwill with the UFC. makes sense. I'm sure there's a lot we don't know. And Frankie is also Ali's, basically his first major client. I think he also had... uh, The first
1: time I met Frankie was with Ali in Ohio. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so Frankie had... I think Ali basically had Frankie. I think he had Rashad Evans pretty early, and he also had... But Rashad, I think, was also with Sherry Spencer for a while, which was GSP's uh, agent Mm -hmm. at CAA. But his first two was... um, which, Which Gracie was it? The Gracie that's based in New York, I was I always forget. Henzo, right. Henzo Gracie. So Henzo, Henzo, Henzo Gracie, Gracie yeah. was like his client and Frankie. So those are like his two like OG clients. Yeah, yeah. So him, he goes to bat for, Like if you heard what he said about people that were saying that Volkanovsky should get the that whatever Edgar didn't deserve a title shot, yeah, he, he was like I'll punch you. Yeah, like he, yeah. he's that passionate about about how about how, yeah, Edgar. Yeah, and I think that I agree. Listen, though. here's Just the thing about the UFC. Agree. I I can't say that Edgar does not deserve a title shot based on his resume. Like Edgar is like he's a, a hall of famer. Like yeah. he's an und- to to see what he did at 155 against much bigger fighters and yep. win the championship, win a championship, there championship is absurd. Yeah. Because he's basically a natural bantamweight. But he's that never time. really
1: done What did he, what's his highest accomplishment at 145? Has he ever He's fought for the title several but never, times. He's never, never won. Never this won has,
0: won has been the, the thing that's eluded him is he's wanted to become a two division champion. Yeah. He's had he's had two opportunities against Aldo and lost both times. So no, right. There's no there's no um you know, losing to Aldo is not a big deal. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's, Aldo's Aldo. He's Yeah, but Volkanovski just beats him, but right? Volkanovski just beat Aldo. There you go. Boom. 30-27 all three cards. Yeah. So Volkanovski's next in line, I think, yeah. in terms of the, the meritocracy and the hierarchy of the division. If it, but, was, a,
1: if it was a sport, yes. But yeah.
0: does that necessarily mean that Edgar is not worthy of a title shot? Because right. if you're talking about whether he's worthy of a title shot and you're booking this from the standpoint of a promotion and you're going to Australia in October—
1: but it, I've it also makes heard Volkanovski has some blood disorders or some yeah. blood issue yeah. happening he, as well. That
0: happened after the, the Edgar fight was announced, and after he said it was upset that it was announced. Okay, so it almost is a silver lining for Volkanovski because he can rest up a little bit and be be more yeah. ready for October. Yeah. So everyone, I think, wins in this situation as long as, as long as Volkanovski gets yeah. the fight. Yeah, as yeah. long as Volkanovski gets the fight in, in Australia, everybody's happy. I think everybody wins here.
1: But if uh, Frankie Edgar wins, would he, would he go to Australia? That's,
0: that's the big question: is if Edgar wins. Will he like? Will Honor he be healthy enough? To, yeah. Will he want to stay that active? And I think Frankie would. I think he would go to uh, Australia. And what if it's a really close win? Yeah. You kind of have to give Max an immediate rematch. I, I would say, yeah, because Max, to Max, Max is probably the best ever yeah. at featherweight. I don't mean to dismiss Aldo, but like, look at what Max did to Aldo and Ortega absolutely. and all these guys. Like he's he he's won thirteen in a row. Um, what was Edgar's last fight? Edgar's last fight was against Cub Swanson. So Edgar beat Cub Swanson after the Ortega loss. Okay. Yeah. So he does. He is coming off a win, but Cub Swanson is no longer. And
1: that ranked. was a quick turnover as well, right? It was very quick And then we we're, were wondering, to we're there. like, man, he just took a yeah. shot like that. Yeah. I think it
0: was like three or four weeks. Yeah, later. And I was concerned about yeah. if he can take he, another he, shot. He, he beat Cub um, and he dominated Cub. But again, Cub's not really ranked right now. So yeah. you've got Volkanovsky coming off an Aldo, a, a, a very, very dominant victory in Rio against Aldo. Like Volkanovski deserved the title shot above Edgar, but that doesn't mean Edgar doesn't deserve a title shot. Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, a little bit. It's a big picture, but yeah, yeah, I get it. And that also explains why when you're someone like an Ali Abdelaziz and you have this many clients, you build you up power, goodwill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you build up goodwill with the with the um, matchmakers. Because if the matchmakers say, hey, we're in a bind. We need somebody in two weeks to fight this person. He At can, he got can got open up power. the Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, look down the list. Yeah. Okay, we got this person.
1: Yeah.
0: So... And I think that that's fair. If you're a promoter like yeah. that, I don't think that 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 he's got an unfair advantage. He's earned those clients. He's, yeah, he's yeah. recruited
1: them. Like you said, there's probably so many things and conversations and promises and the saving of cards that we don't 100%. know. So because that yeah. card was
0: single handedly saved by that man. Yeah. You <laughs> know, and you have to people have to remember that. And but you got to think
1: Volkanovski right now to the casual fan, they're not going to really know who Volkanovski yeah, is. Maybe still a bigger name. Maybe sure. if they watched his fight with Aldo, you got a glimpse of who he was. Yeah. But, I mean, Edgar, you know him, right? Yeah. We've seen him for so long, and maybe they just, you know, it's the excitement factor, the, the building of the card. It makes sense. I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, fairness as a sport, Volkanovski, yeah. obviously.
0: but again, we're... This isn't. This isn't out. it. Yeah. Although Max, I, I don't think Max understands day. how the ratings work because he's been, rankings work because he's been saying in interview, he said it to me and he said it to Ariel. He goes, "If the UFC wanted to bury Volkanovsky they wouldn't have moved him up to number one in the rankings." I'm thinking like, I don't think Max Max has been championed champion for so long but he doesn't know how the rankings work. They're just decided by a bunch of people that cover the sport, not yeah, like yeah, the yeah. UFC themselves. Yeah. But uh, that's why I love Max. Max is like a lovable a lovable guy who just yeah, like yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really doesn't really care how it's done. He just knows yeah, that there's rankings. He, he goes, he fights, he wins. Them. Yeah. Exactly. I just think
1: he's his personality is crazy to me. I I couldn't believe he was snowboarding, like the fight week. I still to yeah. me it just <laughs> blows my and mind. He's from Hawaii. He's not like yeah. he's snowboarding all the it time. It blows my mind how crazy that man is. Yeah, but well, you need him. Him and Edgar
0: were great together because these guys are both cut from the exact same cloth. They're both yeah. guys that like they take. They take fights when the UFC calls them. They don't turn down fights. They're both, like, blue-collar guys. Oh, I love it. They, they both get in there. They strike. You know, they're they're just fun, fun to watch guys. They're both kind of overachievers, I think. I think. I don't know if you could say Max is an overachiever. Frankie certainly is for, for lightweight to, for him to, to get to where he was yep. for, at his size. It's like, he's basically like the real-life Rocky story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were, just had such good respect for each other. I had them sitting next to each other when I interviewed them. Like, And
1: I'm sure they're both respectful martial artists, man. Yeah. You know, like,
0: there are certain fighters where you can't have them sitting next to each yeah, other in that But those guys,
1: for sure. Mm. Yeah. So
0: uh, where were we? So we were talking about uh, Elias getting released. Uh, let's go to another Canadian that's uh, Felicia Spencer. Co-main event in Edmonton, UFC 240, against um, Chris Cyborg. Now, this is the sound of me patting myself on the back. Okay. Because right after Felicia Spencer won... I I went to, you know I said to her Would you like to fight Cyborg in the co main event of UFC 240 in Edmonton yeah. And she goes uh, Well I just want to fight I don't really I don't know But it would be an honor to fight Cyborg And I posted that clip up and Cyborg retweeted it And she said Challenge accepted And yeah, here we are
1: She just wants somebody Yeah
0: I'm a UFC matchmaker for a day Congratulations There you go it's Making wishes come true But uh, I I said it should have been for the interim title I understand why it's not This is the last fight on Cyborg's contract and um, I think that with a win, she can explore her options, but if she won an interim title, there's championship language in these contracts that I think locks them in further if they win a championship. Have to do it, yeah. So I, I kind of get why it's a three-round um, fight. Since she, since she entered Elite XC in 2008, this is only the second time she's had a three-round non-championship featherweight fight. The other time was in Invicta before they had a featherweight title. So this is the first time where there's actually been a featherweight title where she hasn't had a featherweight title shot, yeah. which is pretty crazy. That's that over nuts. that's 11 years. Um, and I don't know what her regional... I, I was looking in topology and her regional fights in Brazil. I don't know what they were. They, they don't have the stats on whether it was title fights or 145 or what weight class it was. But... Um, that's I mean that's how elite cyborg is and Felicia Spencer undefeated has a great performance against Megan Anderson first round win and yeah. there she goes there's not not a whole lot of other people at one forty five you I can was, fight I was
1: just so surprised because she just seemed like such an underdog in that fight too yeah. I didn't know anything about her till she came in
0: yeah she, and she really just Worked to her strengths and played, it, played off of Megan's we- uh, Megan's weaknesses, which yeah. is taking her down.
1: And she's tall. She's awkward. Yeah. She's hard and Megan, to beat. And
0: Felicia shorter than I am.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was an impressive win. Mm-hmm. Impressive win. So yeah. now she's got the beast.
0: Yeah, and that's going to yeah. be a tough matchup. But uh, who knows? I mean, Cyborg's coming off a loss. Yeah. Is Cyborg really beatable? I mean, it's yeah. hard to say, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. It's going to be a tough one, but good for her. But she's been doing
0: karate since she was like a young kid. Yeah. And... um I think it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what she. Brings I'm sure to the she'll table.
1: be a huge underdog.
0: But, yeah, uh, I think so too. I think she'll probably be a, like a three or four to one underdog easily. Guess. Yeah. So we'll see. It could be more. You're right. Um, but that's Edmonton's co event. It's good to have a Canadian in the co event. I yeah, I it's rare Twitter to kind of see it. Yeah, I went on Twitter today and l- and laid out every Canadian that's been in a main or co-main event not named George St. Pierre. And I think there were like 35 in total, including St. Pierre. And St. Pierre was like 17 of those. 17 of those. <laughs> like he was. Uh, Mark Hominick probably got one. Hominick got one. Jason Day was, a, or is uh, Jason Day? Yeah, he was a surprise uh, one
1: Was it Day? I don't yeah, know.
0: Day Day was a
1: co-main event. What about old school McDonald? Rory McDonald? Not Rory. Oh, uh, Jason, uh, Jason Jason the athlete McDonald. Yeah, he didn't get any. He never events. got any co-main yeah, events. No, no co-main events thinking, for the athlete. I thought I was gonna drop a bomb. Rory here on had here. like three. Yeah, why don't
0: you try guessing? Let's see. Let's play a little guessing. Yeah, here. I thought I would have dropped
1: the bomb there with McDonald. I thought think, maybe he would have made a big fight. Think
0: early days. There was someone who got three in the early
1: days. Um so what about Sam Stout? Sam Stout got one. Yep. You mentioned Hominick, he got one. Sam wanna. Stout, Hominick. Um obviously we talked George St. Pierre. Who else was a Canadian? They still are Canadian. That's a
0: that's a, that's a hint for you. There
1: you go. They still are Canadian.
0: And we're thinking we're talking old school, right? We can talk anybody, any Canadian not named GSP.
1: What the heck?
0: I think early days. There's a guy who who trains at a gym near here. That's I think it's an instructor at a gym near here. Gary Goodridge? No, Would Gary he, Goodridge he was, have been no, one? No, he wasn't one.
1: He never made a main event no, back no in the day. No, no main or co-main. No. And he teaches at a gym near here. And he was yeah. uh, Mark Bocek?
0: No, Bocek isn't isn't there. He does teach. I think he does teach at a gym. He near teaches here. at Extreme yeah. Couture. Yeah, he teach, yeah. Mark BGJ. Bocek. One was a training partner of. Uh, well, two are the training partners of GSP. One so, you know. One is like recent.
1: Oh, uh, Dave Loazzo.
0: Dave Loazzo. Okay. He, he was two. Two um, different events. Carlos Newton. That's the one I was thinking of. Three, okay, that's, Carlos Newton. He teaches near here. Carlos yeah. Newton, yeah.
1: So Carlos Newton. Um, so how many do we have trading?
0: left? Two you might not guess. Okay, give me those and I two. mentioned Day. Vigno. I don't even remember the first name. I don't know.
1: Steve, I think. Steve Vino, yeah. UFC 58. I think he was an old I, uh, I, UCC, yeah. IFC days, like old school Montreal Joe guy. Dirksen. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed him. I thought, to my, in my mind, he's American. Yeah, and I think we've I covered know. it all. There's two women, though. What about um, TJ Grant?
0: No, T.J. Grant never did, which is surprising because he was first next in line for a title yeah. shot. Yeah, so it's because we had cards. a lot
1: of uh, very similar yeah. stories. These are just pay-per-views that he, we're talking uh, about here. Okay, because he retired uh, yeah, with concussions, post-concussions. Yeah. So people, we reached out people years accused,
0: ago. Uh, do you remember the people who accused the UFC of paying him off to, like— to withdraw from the fight no, in Milwaukee because Pettis was
1: going to be the next challenger oh. and Pettis was from
0: Milwaukee. People were like, oh, they just paid him off and then he never, never yeah, fought yeah, again. Yeah.
1: No, we messaged back and forth because it was like, man, like, if you have any advice for me, I was yeah. just very open to to kind of talk to people yeah. at that time. So I yeah. think
0: two women. Two women, uh, aside from Spencer in recent years.
1: Okay, women, Canadian women. One fought Ronda, one fought Joanna. Wasn't Sarah Kaufman, is no. it?
0: No, Sarah Kaufman did fight Ronda, but not in the UFC.
1: Okay. All right, all right.
0: Alexis Davis fought okay, Ronda. Okay, yeah, yeah, She lost th- in within twenty seconds or something like that. Okay, and Valerie Letourneau fought. Uh, okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fought, um, yeah, fought Joanna, and I think that and Patrick Cote we didn't mention. Oh yeah, it was Patrick three, Cote. Three could different have events, have been one, and Rory, he would have
1: been Anderson Silva, yeah, right?
0: And Rory was three different events. Yeah.
1: Not bad. Yeah.
0: So those are the Canadians. So yeah, GSP accounting from 17 for 17 of 35 Canadian appearances in a main or co-main event of a pay-per-view. And there was a guy named Lance Gibson who was the second to last fight at UFC. Two, uh, sorry, UFC 24. But they didn't have co-main events there; just main. So
1: how'd you get all this info? I just looked it up. You just looked. I went, each individual? I went pay-per-view
0: by pay-per-view. Hey, the old-fashioned way. Grit, that's it. grit and determination. I like it. Yeah. So that there it is. So uh, Felicia Spencer enters uh, elite company as long as she makes the walk. Beautiful. Uh... So that was that was a lot of a lot of time for, yeah, uh, for trivia. Yeah, yeah was, a lot of, <laughs> lot a of good game. thinking. I yeah. like it. So there's your there's your trivia Got note me for digging the day. deep. Yeah, you can you can spring that on people at the gym today when you uh, when, you're, <laughs> when you're over there if uh, if they care. Uh, so. Bellator signs Robin van Roosmalen. Fun, yeah. Uh, that's a, like a, a big signing for them. I He's was gonna, hoping
1: UFC, but... Uh, I think he probably
0: was too, but they offered him a really good opportunity at Bellator, 145-pound tournament, and uh, if he wins
1: it, he wins a million dollars. Bellator loves taking glory kickboxers. So they take, they've take. they had Gabe Varga, uh, Raymond Daniels, but these are people van that Rousmalen. competed in in kickbox.
0: I know Raymond just did MMA for the first time, yeah, but I don't think Varga started. has. No, no, never yeah. Varga. So they're taking them for kickboxing, but Robins, I but think, the, just going to be uh, the exclusive big thing MMA.
1: with Bellator with Glory is that, that they they want those fighters that can do both, you know. Joe yeah. Schilling, they're right, they took yeah. Joe Schilling who did both as well, mm-hmm. Varga, um, and now Van Rooswall, but I think Van Rooswall is going to only be MMA, yeah, just MMA. That's yeah. what he's focused on. I'm excited to see him. I've seen some of his old fights. Um, He, nasty style, uh, good low kicks. I think a lot of guys are going to have some problems with his low kicks. Um, I'm just curious to see how he moves with the bigger guys.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it might not translate quite as yeah, well.
1: Yeah, his style is a um, little bit more of that traditional Dutch style where it's uh, good pressure, good forward power. Um, he likes to sit, get you against the ropes and just punish you with leg kicks, body punches. So that's what's his grit and his pressure was makes him. But as a striker in MMA, you need to move, you need to bounce a little bit, you need to add things, you gotta get your head off center line again. You can't really rely on the high Dutch guard shield where you kind of plant your hands on your head. You have to kind of use a little bit of slick movement, but he's been training hard. He's with Henry Hooft and all the guys there, and he's they got, you know, world champions in every organization that he's wrestling and grinding with. So he's in good hands. Well, I just realized the time.
0: We don't have a lot of it, so let's, let's get uh, get you out of here soon. But first, uh, we, were gonna, we have Yoel Romero winning his lawsuit against the supplement company. Uh, rather than us That's discussing yeah. it, why don't we throw it to his manager who I Perfect. had on the show. We had uh, Abe Kawa on the show uh, to discuss Yoel Romero winning $27.45 million oh, against uh, a company called Gold Star. And uh, Abe joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm joined now by Abe Kawa. It's the first time I've ever had an agent on the TSN MMA show. You know, I don't like to pump the tires of agents and make it look like I'm a shill for them. But Abe does a fantastic job uh, over at First Round Management. How are you, Abe?
2: I'm doing good, man. It's actually my first ever interview uh, for anybody in, in Canada, actually. So we're popping each other's cherries
0: here. I like that. Well, that's an interesting term that you use there. But uh, you <laughs> have done an interview with Ariel, and Ariel's Canadian. But, so, but, I'll but take never it. in Canada, though. That's never true. Very Canada, true. Though. Very true. So this is a first for me. both of us. Correct. Correct. Well, there's a, a major mean, reason. for having me on. <laughs> no problem. Thank well, there's there's a major reason for having you on, which is uh, Yoel Romero. He goes to court to uh, fight a company called, I think it's Gold Star Nutrition. Is that correct? Gold Star Performance Products. Gold Star Performance Products. So the reason for this is he tests positive For a banned substance or or is flagged for a banned substance by USADA. And you, according to your brother, went to him. You and your brother both said, You know, Yoel, did you take something? And and he said, No. So you guys went to bat for him right away. Now, the interesting thing with Yoel is because he's such a physical specimen, he's, you know, he's looked this way since the Olympics. People have always been, you know, saying he doesn't pass the eye test and all of that. So this was a very, very important thing for you and for Yoel to get his name cleared.
2: Oh man, I think we we invested so much time and energy in making sure that Yoel's name uh, was cleared. That I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it, it took a lot. It really did take a lot out of us as well as uh, him. You know, more so him than, than even us. Uh, but we we felt every one of it. Uh, you know, talking to sponsors, talking to people. You know, even negotiating with 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 the UFC and whatnot. Well, we don't know if he could stay clean. What? You know what I mean? Like that. That's one of those things where you're you're kind of like, hold on a second. The guy has been tested so – his whole life has been one big test, you know? So for it to be taken away from him just because, you know, uh, a supplement company didn't want to put what was, you know, in their products on the label, it's a shame. It really is a shame.
0: So the settlement is for what? Was it $27.4 million? Is that right?
2: $27.45
0: million. $27.45 yeah. That's unbelievable. But the big question that everybody's asking is how do you know that you're going to be getting this money? What, what have you heard on that front?
2: So we're we're still going through that and going through the assets of the company and whatnot. And you know, I'll leave that to the to the attorneys. You know, we, we have them there for a reason. Uh, the the attorneys that we got are actually really really good. Uh, we by the way, if anybody ever wanted to sue a company for any reason whatsoever, I suggest going to New Jersey just because they're so consumer friendly over there. Uh, they they really look out for the consumer. So if you're if you've ever been wronged by a company, I would definitely just go to New Jersey. They have great laws. Uh, for the, uh, the the consumer. So before I go, in, you know, go more into that, just so everybody knows, we don't know what we're going to be getting from the company until we've done a full assessment of their assets. So before I sit here and tell you we're going to make it all or not going to make any of it, the, the honest answer is until we get a, a true
0: assessment, we really don't know. Have they given you any sort of gauge? For,
2: uh, we'll know probably by next week a little bit more. I think by next week, we'll do good. I know that they do about $2 million in sales annually. That's usually what they report, maybe not what they actually do. So we'll see
0: You know how that goes. They've got to open up the books, and then you guys have to analyze oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But those books are getting opened. Everything's getting opened. Uh, there, there's no stopping.
2: We, we hit the, the ground running on this from the moment we walked out of the courtroom. Uh, we needed to wait for the, the order to be signed and done. I believe that has already happened. If not, it, it happens as of tomorrow. Uh, and then once that happens, we're able to go and you know uh, continue the process of collecting.
0: Now I imagine for Yoel the money is fantastic. I mean, uh, as I wrote to you uh, privately, this is like he won 27 PFL tournaments in one day. But uh, <laughs> it, jokes jokes aside, I saw how emotional Yoel was after his suspension when people in the media were asking him about it and I'm asking him about his reputation. He he almost broke down and cried during an interview uh, that I that I saw happen. You know, before my eyes. Getting right. vindicated for him, I imagine, was the ultimate goal here.
2: I know, I know, it's going to sound cliche, and people aren't going to believe me. I'm an agent. He's all about the money and all that stuff. Yes, I am all about the money. Yes, I do want to get paid. Yes, I do make a good living. Uh, you know, fighting for my guys. But I can honestly tell you, the courtroom was empty outside of you know us and and uh, the judge and and whatnot and the uh, the others that were there. And that man had to relive the day he found out the news. He had to relive. You know all the the bashing. You have to relive the the sponsorship pulls. You have to relive all of that again, and that man just broke down in a way that I've never seen. He really, really went down. He 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 explained to to the court that you know uh, that he he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't do anything bad. There's no drugs. You know, like he's, he's very, you know, to look like the way you look or the way he looks, I should say, and and keep himself in good shape and all that. You've got to really take care of your body, and you've got to be able to to you know really watch what goes in and and, and what you do and what you're not doing he doesn't do any of the wrong things so he looks the way he looks because of that and for it to be taken away taken away because of just you know a company didn't put what they what, what was in their product on a label or you know uh uh you know yeah just, just on the label it damned him he started drinking you know he's the guy that doesn't drink he started depression is real and you know, I was glad that you know when I found out that he did start drinking and whatnot, I was able to call him and get him out of it and and uh, and talk talking through it and just tell him, you know, hey, there's there's light at the end of this tunnel. Don't don't go down this route. You know, you've done this for so long this this way. Let's not go down the route of, of this. This doesn't do you any good. You know, you will you will be back. You are going to come back. We will clear your name. I promise you we will clear your name. And you know, I held my end of the bargain, and he he uh, he held his end of the bargain. He didn't do it after that anymore, and he was uh, he was
0: good. He was good. Well, that shows his discipline. I mean, they call it Vice City for a reason. There's a lot that you can uh, you can do in, in the off time in Miami.
2: Very true. Very very true.
0: I wouldn't know, but very true. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, with Yoel, um, walk me through that day—the day that you guys found out that he was flagged. Man, uh,
2: so it was funny with USADA. They did it. They did
0: it with Yoel in a very uh, secretive way.
2: They didn't notify us. They didn't notify anybody. They just showed up to his house and they knocked on the door and they said, "You know, it's USADA." Yo, uh Yoel thought initially uh, he was going to get tested again, and he thought it was weird because he had just gotten tested, you know, a few days prior. Um, so he was already like, okay, I'm getting another test, whatever, here we go. And when they walked in, it wasn't DCOs. Uh, those are the control officers uh, that, that you know, pull the blood or the urine from the, the athlete. Uh, it was actually two of USADA's, uh investigators, and one of them was the head of their uh, legal department. And, you know, they said, uh, Yoel, we need to uh, – let you know you, you failed the drug test and, you know, we're here to, you know, ask you some questions. And the initial response from well he started laughing and he thought he was being like, like it was a bad episode of punk so But he started <laughs> looking for the cameras. He started laughing and he went to the window. He was like, oh, you guys got a camera crew? You know, like that's what that's the way he took it. He just thought it was it, there's just no way, you know, he failed the test for for anything. And uh, uh, when they finally you know showed him their, their badges and and their credentials, he was like, oh, OK, so this is serious. And he had to then, you know, go into his his, his cabinet from all the supplements that, that he had. He gave them all of it to him. And they asked him, well, you know, which ones have you taken since the fight? And he pointed to the bottle of the uh, the Shed RX, the one that, uh, you know, he got in trouble for. And he said, just that one. And, you know, I did it because I was uh, uh, extremely swollen. And, and I needed to, like, you know, uh, get rid of the, the, the water that I was retaining. He, he was having a hard time. Uh, reducing the, the the swelling, and his nutritionist advised him that whenever you you get this type of swelling, because it's not the normal like you know me and you can swell up after a plane a plane ride right, and you you come down and eventually everything kind of comes back to normal. In his case, it wasn't coming back down to normal. So the the nutritionist told him if you take the diuretic, at least it'll it'll let go of the fluid. The fluids will, will you know be removed from your, the body. So he he took that. I took it once he didn't take it twice he didn't take it three. He took it one time and it just so happened that he got tested the day after I tested the day after he got popped so he was explaining to them the story and the situation and he calls me up and he said hey you know you saw the, just came to my house and i said oh, okay you got tested again he goes no 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 you know they told me this 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 and this and i was like wow hold on a second so you failed the test he's like yeah and he goes to me Ibra. and you know, in his Spanish, he goes, Ibra. I don't do nothing and I said relax if you didn't do anything you'll be fine don't don't worry take it easy so you know as soon as that happens we we start jumping on the phone call Jeff Nowitzki uh, start talking to USADA ourselves and uh, we found out that they took the pills from Yoel so that the actual pills that he had they took it from him and you know what's unique about Yoel's case and I think a lot of people uh, don't understand this or you know uh Skip this part. Yoel was the first athlete, I believe, to get a sanction um, based on a tainted supplement. He was the first one to do that. Um, Now he's the first one to win a case from a tainted supplement in the sport of MMA. Uh, Yoel is a guy that, you know, for many, many years has always looked at what he took, what he's taken and put into his body. So when USADA showed up and did it the way they did it, he was smart enough to say, okay, you're going to take my bottle. Let me grab these pills from my bottle. I'm going to keep a few for myself so we can get tested as well, and we're going to compare. So that was on his own. That was just him doing what he does and, and him understanding, you know, the, the, the situation he was in because I didn't ask him to grab the pills. He, he did that on his own. They told him he was technically not allowed to speak to anybody about any of this stuff. The, the substance at the time was uh, they gave it a, a, a chemical you know, name of, of MK 6477 they were under the impression that Yoel was having this huge, you know, um, lab, or, you know, that that he was paying these people to come up with this, this substance. So that's why they flew down. They thought this was a much bigger case than just a tainted supplement. And, you know, Yoel, Yoel doesn't know any labs, he doesn't know any chemists, he doesn't know any of that stuff. And he he, he absolutely doesn't need any of that stuff. He knows that, so... This is why this became, you know, it, such a, a a serious matter for him. The severity they put on it is the same severity he wanted us to counter it. You got me?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So he has the pills. You guys get them tested independently. Yeah. USADA gets them yes. tested independently as well. Did and we they both
2: come up with the with the same with the same verdict? Which is yes, there's the the MK six four seven seven in there. And then USADA took it a step further. And you know, my my hats off to them uh when people tell me oh you know you paid usada off or you did this you did that i always say to them well if you believe usada is getting people with their tests then you have to believe usada when they say we went above and beyond they went and bought a whole lot of those bottles and got them tested every single one of them came back with the mk6477 or whatever it was so it was an easy at that point it was easy okay it's tame. it's not it's not yoel's bottle in itself
0: it's every bottle
2: these these people are selling
0: and i imagine that bolsters your case against them
2: oh well you know that they're they're lying to everybody they're absolutely lying to everybody so it, it the, the the judge absolutely had no reason to believe that these people were doing anything on the up and up they're, Aaron, if i tell you via word of mouth hey i'm finding this guy, or, hey, I'm doing this for this guy, and then you find it to be not true, that's my word of mouth. I can, anybody can lie to you. But when you see it in writing and I send you a text that says, hey, Aaron, I'm doing this, you can use that. You could say, well, this is what you're you're supposedly doing. But there's no there's no defense.
0: There is no defense. Absolutely. So what were they defending, like, what were they using to defend themselves in court, though, if, when you they were there? They, they, they,
2: they, they did not. They did not. They did not. They didn't use anything to defend themselves. They or, basically there was, no admitted defense.
0: culpability. Right. There's no. There's no defense. When I spoke to Jeff Nowitzki recently, he told me that there has never been a single instance where an NSF certified uh, supplement has gotten, uh, you know, has been tainted, um, to his knowledge. Especially with UFC fighters, why is it that fighters? You might know this. You might not know this. Why is it that fighters don't always use NSF certified supplements? I,
2: I. You know. This is a, a normal question that, that always comes up. The number one thing is cost, man. You you know, you can go tell a football player who makes millions of dollars, you need to only use these people. But the cost for an MMA fighter who doesn't make a quarter or even 1% of what they make, you, you, it's, ne- it's next to impossible to expect them to be able to afford the amount of supplementation. And remember, now everyone's going to tell me, oh, but the swimmer's, of the Olympics and, and this and that, yes, you're right, guys, you are absolutely right. Those swimmers and the and, and all those other guys don't make the money that the MMA fighters do and, you know, their industry is, is not as big as ours. You guys are absolutely right. But I will say this, those guys do not train the same amount that these guys do. It's almost absurd to think that these guys can go through a full fight camp without any type of supplementation. I know guys do it, and I commend them. And, and the truth is, if you're eating right and you're, and you're doing all this stuff, maybe you don't need any supplements. But there's some guys out there that just naturally don't, don't you know, have, uh, uh, you know, but let's just say vitamin D, right? Let give you an example for vitamin, You know, vitamin D, they don't produce vitamin D. You don't get enough vitamin D. You have to go get the supplementation to be at your peak performance. You have to. So it's, it's, not, it's not fair to say, well, You know, the NSF people, yes, they charge more because it costs them more to to test their product, certify it, and go through that whole thing. They're going to make their money back. They have to. So, you know, that's the number one thing I would say. The reason why they don't use it is because of the cost.
0: And another thing that kind of upsets me about uh, this sort of thing is that you mentioned the costs associated with buying these NSF supplements and, and that some fighters can't afford it. Another issue is that a lot of them can't for, uh, afford to do what you guys did with Yoel, which is take some of these supplementation companies to court. And I think that that's well, a little bit troubling because I think that a lot of different fighters would do that if it wasn't for all the expense and time that goes into it.
2: Those guys need to DM me or, or, or send me a message, and i will going to explain to them uh, what needs to be done or not, not be done. Or if they even have a case. I, I've already been, you know contacted by many guys that I've, I've uh, have added. And, I, and I'm actually looking at each case. I feel like an attorney at this point where I'm looking at each case individually and saying, okay, well, do you have a case here? Don't you have a case here? I knew with you, well, we had a slam dunk case. It was not going to be, it's not hard to, to do that. And, you know, my hat's off to, to Howard Jacobs. You know, he's the one that, that uh, helped us with, uh, with this case and uh, uh, getting it all set up and, and, you know, pretty to present to the, uh, to the judge. It's not, it's not difficult. You took something that was not on the label. If you bought it for the reasons of helping yourself and it did the opposite, then you should sue those companies and you should go after them and you should absolutely make uh, money. I know a lot of guys don't go the extra steps in this business. We do. And especially when it comes to this, this particular, where you're being damaged. You know, like this is, I don't care what happens and, and all this stuff is, is great. We cleared you all's name at some point, someone's going to go, you're still a cheater. You never you never get out of it. You never, ever, ever get out of it. In, uh, in, in other cases where, like, let's say you're, you're one of those guys that, are, are, that was suspended or, or sanctioned because of uh, something you don't know you took. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to do that. Obviously, you have no case there. But let's say you took something two years ago, and you're still pulsing for it today. And you got hit for that. I don't know if you have a case. The truth is, I don't know if there's a case there or not. That's that's a question that would probably be directed directly to the the attorney. But in the simple, most basic of cases, you took something that was not on the label, sue them. Call me. I will help you. I promise I will help you guys make that. You know what I mean? It's not not difficult. It's not difficult. I, I I wish the rules that we had today were in place for Yoel back then because I also believe in, you know, in in this case with Yoel, Yo, uh, Yoel served a six-month suspension he didn't need to serve. I'll be honest with you. Yoel was the first one. People forget this. It was brand new. Yoel just, you know, kicked in with Yoel, and, you know, we've learned a lot. Us and Yoel, I believe, have learned a lot in, in MMA because of it. Yoel, if he had the ability to go to arbitration back then with the same rules that were applied to today, I believe Yoel does not serve anything other than time served.
0: I do think, though, that USADA suspending some athletes for six months, despite it being a tainted supplement, makes sense if they're using a supplement that isn't USADA approved or on a list. Because I still think that there's a degree of risk there. Do you agree?
2: I agree, and I and I don't I don't necessarily
0: say I, again. You know, USADA was brought in for
2: the cheaters, not the guys that are out there taking supplements because all they can afford is a is a twenty four dollar you know bottle of creatine compared to the guy who can afford a sixty dollar bottle of creatine that is NSF certified. I think there's a big difference between the two, and I believe. Uh, with that being said, the guy that's out there buying the $24 bottle of creatine, he's also not going out there and sticking a needle in his butt, uh, spending $600 or whatever the amount is. I don't, I don't even know for for steroids. That guy that's doing that needs to be treated on the worst end of the the equation. The guys that are out there, are just basically going and saying, "This is what I can afford. This is what I can do, and I want to make sure I can." perform my best so I can make more money and then I can go buy the NSF thing. See, I, I don't necessarily agree with the suspensions for those guys. I don't. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it's fair to their reputation to get suspended for six months or even a year or whatever it may be when their intent was never to cheat. Now, if you got guys that are just strictly saying, well, oh, I know this, these people, you know, they're on the list, right? Like if you don't scrub your list and you don't, you know, go check and see, okay, if, if, if I know Gold Star Performance Products has this problem, Everybody in the world knows it now. If you're an MMA fighter or an athlete that's under USADA, you will never touch a Gold Star Performance product. Whether it's on the list or whether they uh, have the stuff on their ingredients or not, you know these people do not operate the right way. If you go and buy that, then you're putting yourself at risk. And you should be treated as if you were a cheater. In my opinion, now you know you're cheating. Do do, do I make any sense?
0: No, absolutely. I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, I it's do, intent. yeah. Just from 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 the USADA standpoint, I do get why they, they are giving the six month suspensions. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I agree. I don't know if that's right. really in the spirit of clean sport because we're talking about very right. trace amounts here that don't help anybody's Correct. performance. Correct. But I do right. get if if you know they're they're looking at some form of liability in terms of people not being careful enough. Uh, I do get why they're giving them the suspensions. Um, but but regardless of that, something you mentioned earlier in the interview that's interesting to me was that when you were negotiating with the UFC they brought up that they didn't know that Yoel could stay clean. What, what happened there? It, it, it was,
2: it, it's, it's, you know, slick comments every once in a while to get thrown out because of that. And Listen, in, in any negotiation, any company, in any type of thing, you know, you got one side that's pushing for their side, you got the other side pushing for theirs. So you would go through it and if, you know, I, I, I would, you know, bear warning to any UFC fighter, guys, if you guys do anything, if you lose the fight, they're going to use it against you. And they have that right to. If you lose a fight and you look terrible, they will use it against you. So anything negative, they will use against you. But that's just a negotiation tactic. It's normal. It's it's, it's uh, everyday business. You know what I mean? That's that's not a problem. I'm I'm uh, I'm okay with that, and I think most most guys are okay with that. Considering, you know, it's it's business. You just got to treat it as business.
0: Now with Yoel, a lot of people thought he should move up to light heavyweight. He's staying at middleweight. He's facing Paulo Costa. And I think this actually ended up being a great move because if you look at the fact that Jacare lost to Hermanson, a win for Yoel might put him right back in the title picture. Now, I actually think that had he made weight for that fight against Whitaker, that he should have gotten an instant rematch. I thought he won that fight, and I I was surprised that the decision didn't go his way. He wouldn't have won the title regardless. But had he made weight, I think that you could have easily justified a third fight between those two.
2: I think we're not in the minority for that, uh, Aaron. I think we're not in the minority for that. I do know... Robert Whittaker does not want to fight Joel Romero anymore. And I don't blame him. I don't think anybody wants to fight Joel Romero one time, let alone three times. So, you know, with that, with that being said, uh, yes, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. And, you know, the decision to stay at 185 is well's and well's alone. It's not mine. It's not my brother's. It's well's it's and well's alone. Yoel wants to stay at, at, at 185. He's wrestled there his whole life. Making weight is not a problem for well given the right amount of time. The guy diets down. He does not do the the extreme weight cutting that most people do he does not do that he actually uh knows his body he knows uh his system and his system works because he's only missed weight when it's been on short notice fights he's never really uh missed weight on the long term uh people will will point to australia if you guys knew the, the the timing of that and what actually took place in terms of uh the the weight cut everybody would understand okay he missed weight it was a it was a short uh camp as well as the the timing to have him out there they wanted him to fly in a week earlier than the actual fight to get him you know uh media and do all this other stuff and you know initially when we looked at it we said man i don't know if this is a good idea to go to australia earlier they they assured us that they would you know help him out with any any uh stuff he needed and they did to to their credit they did but it it was something you all did tell me this is going to be a problem he knew it going into it so it, it was there, and we we let them know this is going to be a problem. It's a short chance. The guy you know is expecting to fight two weeks later, and you're cutting him short. you're technically cutting his weight cut short by three weeks, three weeks, so that's nearly a month that he would have to lose the weight that he was supposed to lose and the guy still tried his hardest to make that weight uh, in the sauna me him and, and uh, Donna marcelloni from USADA was also with us, and she was helping us cut the weight and it, it was you know it was it was an experience in Chicago. Man, we were so on point, and the commission decided to cut him
0: early, oh yeah, that was a, I remember that story I, that,
2: man. I cannot believe it. everybody can say what they want there's no there's not one person that is happy they're cutting weight there's not one person that looks good while they 're cutting weight i don 't care who you are, no one looks good cutting weight, but cutting weight is part of the the, the business is part of you know the industry we 're in, and it's not fun no one no one is is happy doing it, but you know it's part of it. so when people say to me, oh." Uh, you well looked like he was dying. Man, they asked the doctors. They had, they had, the commission doctors there. They had a uh, EMT unit there, and they tested him. They kept going. They asked Yoel, "How do you feel?" And he screamed, "I feel great." <laughs> that's that's what he did. And he wanted to make. I mean, you you're talking about point two, Aaron. Point yeah, there was
0: nothing, and he had another hour.
2: Yeah, well, he he would have ended up having half an hour um, uh, from that point. You know what I mean? Like they cut what he ended up cutting. Was the the last pound, or you know whatever it was uh, the the amount, and then point .2 was what was left. And and from what I understand, the commission lady that was there had a lunch meeting to go to, oh, so wonderful. she decided to cut it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, it's funny. I spoke to Max Holloway yesterday, and he mentioned that he was three pounds over with uh, an hour before weigh-ins when he was going to fight Khabib, and and they 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 basically pulled him from that fight. and He said, "Have you never seen someone cut weight before?" I mean, right. think of that opportunity being robbed from somebody like that just arbitrarily. It's, it really it confuses me that commissions are able to do that kind of thing, especially if you have a UFC doctor there that's assuring them that you know, they can continue cutting safely. But I digress not from that. Just,
2: not, just, not just the UFC doctor. UFC doctor, their doctor, mm-hmm. and an EMT. All three are saying, why are you cutting this short? What happened? Why? You know?" And I, I, a, a, part of me, a part of me thinks that maybe I should have just let them cancel the fight rather than him going down there and weighing in. Yeah, because then it I looks like he messed would've... up. Right, you know what I mean? So, whatever. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe you should have another lawsuit on your hand with the commission. We, we,
2: we, we're, we're, uh, you know, I'll keep my okay, mouth shut, but yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned previously that, uh, that that could be an option. We,
2: and and it's and it's not, it's not out of the realm of a possibility, just considering now that Yoel, you know, cleared his name and, and whatnot. I think it may be, it, it may be, Back, we may revisit that again. I, here's the here's the issue. The issue is is that the, the commission doctors that are there work for the commission, so it's in their best interest to take the side of the commission, not ours. If if you
0: understand, if you can read between the lines. Yeah, I, I do understand. Yeah, there you go. It's just an optics thing. Um, and finally, one question I wanted to ask you was about uh, John John's first uh, failed test for the I guess the pill that his friend gave to him. Was there any thought on looking at what the ingredients were there? Was that just John being, like, a little bit reckless when that happened, and that's why uh, that instance happened? Or or you know, people, were there, people, was there no box with ingredients?
2: No, there, there, there was no box with ingredients. And, you know, uh, to John's credit, and, and people aren't going to, I mean, I, I hope they do. I hope they, they really understand. Uh, this is no joke, and it's not, it's not funny, and it's, it's, it's not trolling or anything like that. John called, and he asked, hey, am I allowed to take this? He gave us the name, he didn't, he didn't uh, send us the picture, and we said, yes. Yes, you are allowed to take that, because you are. It's out of competition, and you know, if, if uh, any fighter out there is curious to know if you're allowed to take Cialis or Viagra out of competition, you are absolutely allowed to. Uh, the, the problem is, is that it wasn't very clear. So it was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a complete miscommunication between the friend, John, and us. And you know, all that's been handled now, it's been rectified. John doesn't have any of those issues anymore. You know he's he's really really good about everything. He's, he's to the point that he's paranoid about this stuff. So, you know I I don't foresee any any problems coming out of uh, John. But back then it was you know you gotta you gotta sometimes go through the experience. Remember that John was was suspended when Usada came in. He got no formal training. He didn't. There was nothing out there other than what we've told him, which was like John you can't take this. John you can't take that. John yes you can take this. John yes you can take that. So. With that being said, the miscommunication between the friend to John and the John to us. So, like, if I told you, hey, Aaron, I'm going to give you a, you know,
0: uh, uh, I don't know. A, like a, a generic bathroom. Advil, right? Like a right, generic, I'm going to give you, right, a thing,
2: thing. And, then you, and, then, and then I get to you and I end up giving you something that, yes, it does this, it has the same thing. It has the same effects, but it's not exactly what I told you it was going to be. You're going to be, you know, and you don't know any better. Okay, done, you know. So it, it was. It was that was really the case. That was really what happened. And you know, everybody will believe what they want to believe, but that's what, exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> now, John's eyeing people when they offer him a glass of water.
2: Oh, he doesn't open. <laughs> you cannot offer John a glass of water. He won't take it. Or if he takes it, he'll put it on the on the table behind him, and he won't drink it. The bottles have to be closed. It's not. You know, he he's looking for leaks. He's not. You people think this is a a a game. It's really not a game. It's a, It's real life. It's serious. Real serious business.
0: All right, Abe. Well, thanks for doing this. Again, the first agent that we've ever had on the TSN MMA show, and uh, I appreciate uh, all your candor. Um, Hopefully I see you in Chicago next week.
2: Oh, man, absolutely. It would be a pleasure.
0: That was Abe Kawa. Very interesting stuff. So he was negotiating with the UFC, and the UFC said to him, we don't know if we can rely on Yoel being clean. That's what they said to him in negotiations. Wow. And Abe says, you know, it's kind of normal that they try to throw whatever they can at you during these negotiations. But he thought that was a little bit below the belt since it was like a, a tainted supplement. Yeah. But it was really important to Yoel Romero to clear his name.
1: Yeah. And you it's know, also that, that money is nice, too. That's um, more than winning. Yeah, not bad. That's more than winning a world title that it's he's ever winning get. A, most lotteries. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean. Not bad. Yeah, good
0: stuff. So, uh, we've got UFC in Stockholm, Sweden uh, coming up this weekend. It's Alexander Gustafsson against Anthony Smith. Uh, let's recap our, our last picks. It was a long time ago. Yep. It was uh, UFC Fort Lauderdale, and I won, I won a big parlay. It brought me back into action. Hey, there you so go. You, you had uh, Ben Saunders, which was a loss, and I had a uh, parlay of uh, Roosevelt Roberts, Greg Hardy, and Corey Sandhagen for plus 261. So now you have 96.50, and I have 72.60. So I'm still It like, wasn't
1: Roberts in big trouble, too, did Yeah, he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember so that. He,
0: he got out of a bind there, got out yeah. of a jam, but... Yeah, 27 uh I'm about $27 behind you. So
1: Not bad. That was a good win away. for you. That's tip a good parlay.
0: Or $24 behind you. So, you
1: know, we'll see what happens. Good parlay?
0: Um anybody uh you like on the Stockholm card that you want to pick or do you want me to go um, ahead?
1: Um well, I think I, I, I like I like uh Volkan Ostemir, I feel. I feel mm-hmm. uh, a good number. I like I like the odds on it. Um I did like Gustafsson, but uh, it's a little too too high for me. Um I don't mind Ostemir. And um I like that uh rackick over Manoa. I think Manoa mm-hmm. relies heavily on his power and this uh newcomer here, he's not really newer, yeah. but uh he's I think I this think prospect, yeah, yeah, I think he's he can do well. But I think I'm just gonna go with a single straight up pick. Um I like. I also like uh, Daniel Tamer. Do you know his opponent well?
0: Are you thinking of Daniel or David Tamer? That's what you got to remember because Daniel Tamer is the younger brother. Who's, who's the better three, striker? David Tamer.
1: Okay, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for correcting yeah. me there because I would have been in trouble. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna go straight. I told you. Uh, oh, that's a loss. Daniel yeah. Tamer. <laughs> okay, wrong Dan, Wrong Tamer. Uh, let's go with um, Volkan Ostemir. Straight I like up. that pick. Straight I think up.
0: that uh, that's going to be a tough matchup for Latifi. But yeah. Latifi's a, Seems like, he's to a fade bull. a little bit. Yeah. He's
1: the shorter fighter, Olstemir. if he can stay smart and stay not overly aggressive, I think we got a, a good win for him.
0: So that's the co-main event, and you're picking somebody that is not from Sweden. And I'm going to go to the main event and pick somebody that's not from Sweden. I'm going to go with Anthony Smith. Yeah, Good, what, good what pick. I, what I saw from good Anthony pick. Smith against John Jones showed me just how versatile he is, showed me that he belongs at 205, and showed me that he's not going to quit. Five rounds against Gustafson. He's going to have to really maintain a, a, a good level of energy in order to get this done. You know, Smith um, is the type of guy that he hangs in there, and then he he's able to capitalize on little openings. Yeah. Now, the thing about Gustafson is he do- hasn't lost to people that aren't really elite fighters. He's lost to Phil Davis. He's lost to um, Anthony Johnson. Yeah. He's lost to John Jones. And I think that's it. Uh, so he DC? Doesn't... Did you message? DC? Oh, DC. DC sorry. Yeah. So, so it's just a, the elite of the elite. Um, Anthony Smith is he's in the top tier right now. I think of of light heavyweight, so he's a tough matchup. But I think I don't think he's lost to anybody. Um, I think Smith isn't as good as anybody that he's lost to, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I also think that Gustafson's got a foot out the door. He's had a lot of injuries. He's uh, I, I mentioned that since I think it was 2017, Smith's fought 11 times to Gustafson's three. Yeah. Gustafson has not been very active. Yep. And I just don't know what the motivation is for Gustafson because what happens if Gustafson wins? Like Gustafson has already lost to John Jones twice. The last time it was really a, a very lopsided loss compared to the first fight, which was very close. Um so and John Jones doesn't look like he's gonna be dropping the title anytime soon. Yeah. So I think that kind of stuff plays in a fighter's psyche yeah. to, to Gustafson.
1: See, like, I thought the other way based on psychology. I thought Anthony Smith didn't really want this fight. So well, I don't think he's up for well, it. Well here's
0: the thing about this. That that I think, and a lot of people are saying what you're saying. That Smith said he didn't want to fight again this year, but what Smith Smith also said was I couldn't turn this fight down. Yeah, and I think that that him having to spend time away from his kids again, him having yeah, I think that he's going to channel a lot of that energy into both his training and into this particular fight. Because this is a fight where he's like, I took this fight. I'd better yeah. win this fight. Yeah, And I, I don't know how much of that actually happens. You never know. On fight day, a guy could be like, oh, I'm a little bit drowsy today and yeah. not show up. Yeah, But at the same time, I just think that what Anthony Smith has shown so far at light heavyweight has been very impressive. I think Gustafson's on the decline. And I think that uh, at these odds, a plus 270 for Anthony Smith, that I think yeah. it's uh, it's worth uh, my a heart, shot.
1: My, my um me being a fan, I want Anthony Smith to win. Yeah, I mean, but I just don't. He kind of threw me off with his talk, being like, ah, you know, I didn't want to take this. And he's just a little too worried about that to, for me to to jump on that. But I was originally going to take him as an underdog. But, and I think uh,
0: that not having to cut the weight for Anthony Smith has been, made a, a big difference. And if you look at them standing side by side, Gustafson's a little bit bigger. But yeah. Gustafson's one of the bigger guys in the division, and he didn't look that much bigger than Anthony Smith. Yeah, so. and if
1: you crash him and you rush in on him like Anthony Smith does, Man, dangerous. Yeah. So I'm going uh, like to go pick. with Anthony Smith, and that's like my it.
0: mentality behind it. I've been all in on Anthony Smith when I've been looking at this fight. I really yeah. think that this is a, a matchup like where like you can it. see a big underdog get an upset here. And and big underdogs have been getting upsets in the main and co-main events uh, so far this year. So that's what I'm going to go with. Um, you know, Whether you choose to go with that is uh, up to you. But uh, let's look at the rest of the card before you, uh, yeah, you get give out me, of here. Give me
1: some uh, good fights to look out for.
0: Yeah, okay, so this guy, Sung Bin Jo, that you talked about against Tamir, he's 5'10". He's really big for a bantamweight. Okay. And Tamir's 0-3. Now, the only thing I noticed from Sung Bin Jo from watching his last fight, um, he's undefeated, but he's been fighting in Korea and I think in Japan, like in in the Asian circuit. The one thing that he's really bad at is, like, checking leg kicks. His legs get beaten up. And the one thing that Daniel is very good at is yeah. leg kicks.
1: His brother, I know, is really yeah. good at leg kicks, yeah. so hopefully and, and, this one's And Tamir's good. like a
0: Muay Thai champion. Yeah, they're and good. And that's why I'm, you know... Even though Tamir's not as big of an underdog as you would think he would be as an 0 3 fighter against an undefeated fighter, I still think that this is, if Tamir's going to stay in the UFC, this is the fight that's going to let him do it. But at the same time, you've seen how a lot of these these Korean fighters come into the UFC and they go, you know, 100 miles an hour. They've got great chins. We, you haven't seen a lot of debuting Korean fighters not like really get in there and, 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 you know, make things really competitive and scrappy. So I'm interested to see how that one uh, plays out. Um, two debuting fighters, uh, Sergei Kendozko, he's a really, really good striker. But his his ability to stuff takedowns is not really there. He gets taken down sometimes. And this guy, Rostam Ackman, who trains out of Sweden, is uh, is actually a decent grappler. Not fantastic, but he it might be enough to give Kendoz, Kendozko some fits, and he'll be the hometown fighter Ackman. But, however, Ackman's taking this fight on two weeks' notice. And he just fought, I think, like a month ago, fairly recently. Mm-hmm. So... That kind of is a red flag for me. I like from what I've seen from Kendojko, his striking is really, really diverse. And if he can stay in it, I think that he's going to get the win, and he might be able to get a knockout early on if he's able to if things really click for him.
1: What do you think of uh, Amir Khani?
0: Yeah, Amir Khani's been really good um, so far in his career, but and he's been really like he's an odd striker and he does a lot of interesting things. But this is essentially two really good grapplers, and uh, if it stays on the feet. You know, Fishgold, I think has a bit of an advantage, and I think that in terms of the grappling, it might offset. But uh, I actually I like Amir Khani here, uh, just based on on the where the fight is in proximity to where he's from. I think he's from Finland, and he he tends to do well in Europe. Yeah,
1: yeah but, I think they call him Mister Finland fish or something. But also
0: from Europe, so I mean, it's. It'll be interesting to see how this one goes. This is one of those ones where the the line is indicative of how close of a fight it is. So it's hard for me to give.
1: I saw uh, really Demir, what is it, Hadzovic. Hadzovic. yeah. I, uh, actually, he's a cool kid. I met him and uh, hung out with him a little bit at the UFC Performance Institute. Mm, he, he was really very good nice. striker. Yeah, 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 very, very cool. And I remember we we're talking a little bit in uh, Bosnia and Serbian together. Very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Very respectful. Very cool. Yeah. I hope him well.
0: He's a minus 170 favorite against uh, Christos Giagos, And uh, that's just a really close as well, I think the line is exactly where it should be for this one. Uh, so the other one that is interesting to me is Lena Landsberg at plus two thirty five against Evanger, because uh, if Evanger performs as she's been performing lately, uh, I think that Landsberg has a chance in this one. It's in Sweden. Um, you know, both of them are, are pretty solid fighters. Evanger is is just much better, in you know, in terms of the grappling, and that's where Landsberg could get into some trouble. But if this stays on the feet, I think Landsberg has a decent advantage. So. It's one of those ones where if Evanger can't get the takedown and Landsberg can keep it standing, she might have an advantage. So that's one where at plus 235, it might be worth a look.
1: Uh, last one for me. Does Manuwa get the win?
0: This is a really interesting one because, you know, Rakic is, uh, I think, has advantages in the grappling. And I think that his striking is pretty good, too. And Manuwa's chin has not been holding up quite that much. Um, but I think that Manuwa's power is a it's lot. going to be the difference? Yeah, that's the difference maker against a guy like Rakic, who is kind of... He's one of these guys where he's, he's been built up as a pretty big prospect in the division, and this is sink or swim for him. Like, this is one of those ones where if he can get past Manoa, this guy's legit. Uh, right. Manoa's pretty much become a gatekeeper at this point at light heavyweight, but I think a lot of the times with Manoa, when people start to underestimate this guy, he has one of these performances where, like, oh, yeah, I yeah. remember,
1: he can do he that. He touches you, you're yeah. out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all it takes, right?
0: So uh, that's going to be a really, that's one to watch for me. That's not one of the ones where I, I really like have you a strong to bet on.: fee. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't, at, at that number, minus 210 for Rakic. Uh not, yeah, not too huge on that. Yeah. Um so that's uh and then there's Bea Maleki against Eduardo Santana, which is about the lowest level that you'll see in the UFC. You know, no disrespect to these two athletes because I'm sure they work very hard, but the one hundred and forty five pound division for females. Yeah, this fight speaks volumes of just like how shallow of a division that
1: is. I guess they, the they MMA gotta board. develop somehow, right? Yeah. They so, gotta have some development fights.
0: Uh Maleki's from Sweden. Her nickname is Barbie, and she was on the ultimate fighter. Um, they call her Barbie because she looks like a Barbie doll. So, you know, I don't know if that plays a, a role in why she gets signed or if it's just because she's from Sweden. But uh, if you watch, you know, both of their previous, like any fights of them previously, it's not, not the highest level stuff. But we'll see. Yeah. You know, fighters improve as they stay in camp. and Absolutely. Maybe they've they're still better. new. I'm sure yeah.
1: every training session they're getting better. So, But,
0: again, that goes to, like, why would Robin van Roosmalen go to Bellator? Yeah, I As don't f- understand. Be, like, did the UFC not sign him because he was, what, was he in, U- in MMA 4-0 or something,
1: 2-0? I know he's for sure 2-0. and Yeah. But uh, so. still, you're talking about a champ champ. Yeah, yeah. Double champ. Yeah, double champ. Only glory two double champion. Like, yeah. the guy can scrap. He's got two fights. I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe he wanted too much money. Who knows?
0: Well, anyhow, th- so that'll do it for us. Um, however, we do have one interview Uh, Remaining And that would be with uh, Calvin Cater, who faces Ricardo Lamas in Chicago next week. And he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. I'm now joined by Calvin Cater heading into enemy territory next week. UFC 238 taking on Ricardo Lamas, the bully. Have you ever been bullied before?
3: Not a day in my life. (laughs) Uh,
0: You actually had to bully your father in order to convince him that you were going to do this.
3: Yeah, actually, it kind of caught him by surprise. He knew I was training for like six months. Uh, and then when I told him I was fighting in two weeks he said, You're doing what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he said that you had to you had to beat him in order to you basically had to get through him to start your career.
3: Yeah, I took his ass down on a job site, <laughs> put a dent in the truck, I had double legs in a uh, double hooks in on him, and then uh the homeowner came outside, didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> my dad said we're all right. Uh, he said if you can get through me then you could fight and uh I didn't I didn't get to finish but I told him you know if if there were strikes involved it would have been a TKO first round.
0: It was what? Just grappling?
3: Yeah, yeah, I took it easy on him. You know, I took it, he's my pops after all. I got to take it easy on him. It's hard on, man.
0: it's hard to like I'm sure that there were times where you're like you look at your dad and you're like there's no way I could beat this man because he's he's my father. And then once that's once that happens, does the power dynamic in your relationship change at all?
3: Yeah, you know I I, I always take it to the point where where they take me. I don't like Growing up, my brother and all his boys you know, bully me, bully me. But when I started holding my own, it was like they didn't mess with me, and it was on me to to bully them. And I always took it, took it easy on them. But I always I always thought back if you know maybe I should have bullied them for bullying me when I was a kid. But I, I just let it go, I let bygones be bygones.
0: Well, you've been doing some bullying of your own in the UFC three and one. Uh, your one loss was to Hanato uh, Maikano, which is uh, you know nothing to scoff at. But uh, I, I remember reading this week that uh, you were a little bit annoyed at that loss.
3: I mean, I mean, you're never really happy with a loss, you know. But well, there's some good takeaways we got from it. And, uh, you know, seeing him headlining a card now is pretty cool. It's motivating. It shows that I'm not too far off from headlining cards myself. And uh, I'm excited, man, to go out and just show why I deserve those opportunities come uh, June 8th.
0: Well, you've taken advantage of those opportunities. I think you took the Andre Feely fight on short notice. You beat him by unanimous decision. Um, and I, I believe you were a pretty sizable underdog in that spot. Um, and that that was really, you're welcome to the UFC moment. And uh, you, you came through with flying colors.
3: Yeah, yeah. That was a four to one, I believe. At least that's what all my buddies tell me when they cashed in. And, uh, you know, two weeks, uh, I felt like if I had more time, we might have got that that third finish, you know. But um, he's trying to, all these guys, man, it's great. He, he's done well following that fight. Uh, rebounded well. Uh, I, I mentioned too, look at Moicano. Uh, he he rebounded after Ortega and made it all the way up to Aldo, and it just shows how fast you you. Look at Burgos. Now he's in the what's he 13 or something after bouncing back from mine. It, it shows that um, defeat's not uh, not final. You know you can still bounce back, and that shows the measure of a true champion is is how you react and come back from those moments and. Uh, I was able to do that with Fishgold, and here we are with a great opportunity uh, against Ricardo Lamas, uh, uh, a title challenger, and uh, I'm really excited to go out and, and just show what I can do.
0: Yeah, I've got to say I was really impressed with Burgos in that last performance against Cub. I know that one of the judges gave a 30-27 Cub. I don't know which fight they were watching, but uh, the crazy thing about that fight is it, it reminds me of the, the similar range. That uh, Rory versus Robbie Lawler had; those guys were just hitting each other at the very end of their punches for almost three rounds, and that's just a gruesome, gruesome way to get into a fight with somebody.
3: Oh, for sure, that's where the finishes happen. You know, at the end of the at the end of your shot, and uh, that's what I'm going to be looking to do um, next weekend.
0: Yeah, I, when when you look at your resume right now, uh, a fight against Lamas might look like a step up in competition, but he's he's you know he's I guess regressed a little bit in his career. Uh, but in terms of your resume, this might be the biggest win that you could get. For sure. And,
3: you know, when you look at our debuts when we first started fighting, it was right around the same year. So I feel like I'm just getting the respect I deserve now. And uh, and, and I, feel like, I feel like this opportunity will get my name out there a little bit more. And, like I said, uh, a win over him puts me in the, the list of guys in the category uh, of the list of guys that have beat him, which is the Max Holloway's the Justin uh, the, the Chad Mendez is the Jose Alba like that those are the group of names in the category that I want to put my my name in, you know, that's I want to be in that uh category of names, not the guys he's beaten.
0: What's pretty incredible about your story getting into the UFC is that you had almost decided to hang it up if I recall. Like you were, you were had started your own promotion, it was going really well. You weren't sure if you'd ever get that UFC opportunity. Then it came along and you fully capitalized on that. But how close were you to not fighting again?
3: Well, you know, I was in my mid-20s, and I, I just I never want to put all my eggs in one basket. And the way it worked out was the promoter was making like three, four times the amount of money I was, and he was doing four shows a year. And I was fighting like two, maybe three times a year, and just on a numbers basis. It was, you know, something that I that I had spent a good part of my life doing. It felt like a, the right thing to do, which I had fought for that promotion nine times, Combat Zone, and 9-0 uh, Combat Zone. Took over ownership, and I just enjoyed, You know, I, I had it. Just because you fight doesn't mean you can promote. You know, it was a whole other beast, whole other animal. It took a lot of attention and time to do with that, to deal with that. Plus, I was healing up injuries and things. It was the right timing. And if you really look at it, it it's funny how things work out with the timing. You know, because me and Rob Font were number one, number two in New England. I'll let you guys look back at history, and look see who was number one and who was number two. And uh, you know, we were probably slated to fight each other, man. We, we don't shy away from tough co- t- uh, competition and. That was probably in line, and the fact that I took that break and that layoff in that amount of time, he, he got his debut in the UFC, and uh, it, it really sparked me wanting to take that opportunity. I noticed he was fighting at TD Garden in Boston, and I, I reached out to Tyson, my manager now, and said, you know, what do I got to do to get on the card? And you fast forward three years later, uh, I broke the ice again from the layoff, took two fights in. Um, a year after that, I made my debut, and a year after that, I was fighting at TD Garden with Rob. Um, and, and what a dream come true that was, man! And I'm happy that we just manned up and, and broke the broke the ice uh, after a three year layoff.
0: You know, I was talking to um, Joe earlier in the show about this, and uh, we had somebody from Toronto, Elias Theodorou, in the UFC who got cut recently. He was eight and three in the UFC. Um, what do you think of that? I mean, a lot of people we know that MMA is a sport. But to yep. think that the u f c is a sport when they've got eight and three fighters that're that are on new contracts that they're cutting as a fighter what what do you think about that
3: you know honestly i don't I don't put a crazy amount of thought in, in uh what's going on, especially with, with things I know it concerns me as a fighter, but especially in camp I, I just try to just take out my job as a fighter is to take out everybody they put in front of me and, and, and that's really what I put all my focus on is right right now it's all ricardo Lamas – um you know, keep, try to keep that pitch-hit mindset. We're on, a, we're on a Ricardo, and after him, you know, we'll see what's up. But on my plate right now, Ricardo Lamas has my full attention.
0: A lot of the rationale that people were saying uh, was the impetus of that release was that he's not as entertaining as a lot of fighters. You've been a, a reliable source of entertaining fights in the UFC. What's your contract status like right now? So we
3: did renegotiate, and that was part of the reason why, you know, the last one had a ton of me because... We hadn't renegotiated yet, and they wanted to, they wanted me to go out and earn it. I felt like we did that last time. They took care of me on the renegotiation. They offered me a, a top 15 guy and Ricardo Lamas, so I'm grateful for that. And just another opportunity to fight for the best organization in the world.
0: Absolutely. Um, what do you think Ricardo is going to bring to this fight that you haven't seen before? Or do you feel like you've seen everything that he has to offer?
3: You know, you, you can see it in the tapes, uh, but I, its it's really... It's not even about Ricardo. It's about everybody. I'm going to bring the same plan, game plan to everybody in the division, and um, and you'll see you'll see comes next Saturday, man, I'm, I'm going to treat them all the same. Keep them all at the end of my shots and put them all on the canvas.
0: Now, as I mentioned, this is his backyard. He's from Chicago, but the fly from Boston to Chicago doesn't cost a whole lot of money in this day and age. Do you have a lot of people coming to support you?
3: Yeah, right now we've got I, I want to say about three suites. i got a lot of family coming out. I'm excited to get booed, but uh, you know, I might hear some cheers out there too. And, and Ricardo's a gamer, man. I'm sure we'll put on a hell of a fight for the fans. And I hope to walk away with some uh, some new Chicago fans after after all said and done. And like I said, I'm excited about getting a deep dish and going to Wrigley Field and catching a game maybe that Sunday after the night game and taking in the Chicago culture, man. I'm really excited. I've never been and uh, it has a lot to offer.
0: Do you prefer deep dish to a thin crust, like Brooklyn? If you were to go, hell no, but you got to try it. So you, so you like Brooklyn better, Brooklyn style?
3: It's not bad. I, I, I'm I'm an easy piece guy, but I try it all, man. More of a cutlet style. So.
0: You're more of a which style? Uh, I'm more of a chicken
3: cutlet guy. You throw a chicken cutlet on a deep dish or a, or a flatbread, and I'm good either way. I'm more of a chicken cutlet, chicken palm type guy. I got to tell you, know, you know, like I said, I, I'm more of a chicken palm. Right after the fight, that's where we sign contracts. And uh, and when we go celebrating post fights, is, is uh, Ralphie's Cafe, the local Italian spot, and uh, they take care of me down there, man. Get a nice big cutlet with some meat sauce, and uh, and I'm happy as a pig and shit.
0: <laughs> well, I'll will t- tell you that when I was in your backyard, I really liked the uh, steak tips. The steak tips seem to hey, be a big deal there. Where, where did you go? I don't think I went to anywhere special. It was the, it was right across the arena. I think it was Bobby Or's, Is that a place? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: Next time you're in Boston, man, you call me and I'll take care of you. I'll take you to all the best food spots in the area. I know them all.
0: Okay, well, if you're on the card, I won't do that to you. I don't want you to go to these nice food spots while you're cutting weight. <laughs> I'm not that mean or of a gotta, person.
3: you got to extend your trip a little bit like I do, man. I, I never like to fly out. Canada was tough, man. Me and Font, we both missed our return home flights in, Montreal, uh, in, in Moncton. Got hung up in Montreal. Because they like to fly you out at like 7 a.m. the next morning, but... After I'm done fighting at, like, 11, 12, you know, you shower up, you go out for a couple hours. You got family that flew in after all these, um, you know, that flew in to see you. You're obviously going to want to hang out with them for the night. Before you know it, it's 4 or 5 5 a.m. You got a 7 a.m. flight. I mean, you're not sleeping. It's tough, man. So I try to extend my trip for Chicago. I should be leaving that Tuesday, you know, on paper. If things go smooth, I'll be leaving Tuesday. And I really want to take in the culture, man. I'm excited to go out Monday, Sunday and really just enjoy myself and take in all Chicago has to offer because it looks like a beautiful city.
0: Well, listen, I'll give you my wife's cell number, and if you can convince her that I can extend my trip and be away from my three kids for a little longer, <laughs> that would be great.
3: Oh, I just, I'll hold you for ransom, man. We won't even tell her <laughs> it's me. We'll just we'll say you're gone, you're missing. Me. Don't even listen. The way I, I was brought up, it's better to ask for getting this information.
0: I don't play that game. That's a dangerous game, my man. Uh, Well, I'll see you uh, next week in Chicago. I'm going to be there covering it for TSN, and uh, hopefully I'll be speaking with you uh, backstage after your fight with Ricardo Lamas.
3: Hell yeah, man. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Thank you. That was Calvin Cato, who's going to be facing Ricardo Lamas, the bully in his backyard in Chicago next week. Uh UFC 238. That's a really nice card. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, well, Joe, it's nice to have you back. It's yeah, it's nice yeah. Him, but, uh, yeah, to see you in person. We've been
1: texting, but we've both been jet setters. So that's it. Taking over the combat sports world.
0: All right. Well, uh, let's get moving. I know you got to get out of here to get hey, to the no, gym. Teaching. So, bazooka so, kickboxing. Yeah, bazooka
1: kickboxing. I've got the address here. Six eighty progress. progress. There, there we go.
0: go. All right, and uh, Joseph Valtellini on YouTube. I don't know what your latest video was. Ring
1: control just released right now. I teach wow. you uh, three ring control drills. All right, some of my favorite ones. So, um, ring control, cage control. Get your opponent against the cage, against the ropes, and punish them. All right.
0: Well, Joe, hopefully, right. uh, you're, hopefully you'll be here with me next week. I'm only here on uh, Tuesday. I don't know what your Tuesday's like, but uh, we can try. Okay. I should be okay. We'll see what we can do. All righty. All right. Thanks. See you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.